Welcome to God Incidents. Thanks, AJ. Great to see you again. You too, Dr. Rod. It's kind of a sad day. Well, why? Well, it was your last day. Oh, yeah. I, it was. But it's bittersweet. You know, there's opportunity to reinvent and do things other than what be, I did. Be a pastor. Yeah. So Rod's final day, Dr. Rod is Pastor Dr. Rod. Past, you got a lot of titles, pastor, doctor, father, grandfather, and, well, sad and happy, right? You're a new grandpa. Yeah, yeah. That is so exciting to be in Aww. be in that world again. And um, it was good. It was a home birth. and No way. Yeah, totally planned, home birth. And so the first child born in our home, family home in like two generations. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. And it went so well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'd be a nervous wreck. I was. <laughs> <laughs> Way more than my wife. Like, yeah. She's just gone. Don't what are you worried about? Is like, your wife pretty calm? I, I yeah. feel like she has like just this calm yeah. energy. Yep. Yeah. That's you yep. need that. Yeah, just straight out. You know, like Yeah. You know how they measure those things, they'll go like from one to ten and then they'll sometimes say, Well, you're usually like a seven, but then you drop down to a three or two, you know, or you're so my, my scale is I'm usually at an eight, like an energy op. People like going, whoa, look at all this. But then when I drop down, I go way down to like a two. Oh. But then Alice is always like at a 4.5. Just Not, middle of the road. Just Yeah. Huh. Don't get, yeah, don't, don't get blown away by any expectations. Don't, you know, don't be uh, overly optimistic. Don't be overly pessimistic. Just kind of stay just about there with a sort of a healthy enough sense of everything kind of watching everything so you don't you're not like caught off guard huh yeah (laughs) 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 oh dr rod you got to introduce our guest okay so amy and i go back a ways um workplace stuff but also city stuff when i was on council and we just had good conversations about her because i followed her some of her transitions and her stories, and so, so this I, is I the third Amy was, we've had on this show. Do I you know. maybe have something like our Amy's just in your mind? There's no the doubt most that Amy's are close to my. Some it's a other good name. It means beloved. Like oh, it's like poltergeist or something. You know, something going on there where Amy's are popping <laughs> up I, all over. When I run into them, they're almost always good. Yeah, and they're good to talk to and. No, no difference here. We just sort of like, right? We just yep. hit it off. Yep. Uh, we understood stuff. We'd both been through spiritual journeys and found a certain place where we were connecting much more with the reality of a good God and right direction and all that stuff. Yeah. So um, I had wanted to have her on for a long time, and then I hadn't gotten back out to see her or talk to her. So I'm just, thanks for coming on. Yeah, Amy. thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. She's got some great stories. I suspect, like the other Amy, we'll have her on again sometime. Yeah, all the Amys. She's got one book, and then she's got this other thing. So there's a lot going on. I'll let her talk a little bit about that when you, you know. Get us started? Yeah. Well, I think you need, for our listeners out there, just to catch them up on what is a God incidence. Because we tend to try to define it every episode, but it does change because it's not necessarily something we set in stone. And it's changing, as you said, for us, for me, even as I start exploring it more. Yeah. I've used the term off and on in my life in talking to people, God incidents as opposed to coincidence. 
which is just random, you know, empirical things happening, to being God incidences, trans-empirical for those who like bigger words, you know, and, <laughs> and, and mysterious, and the idea that the universe, as, you know, the best physicists tell us, Einstein said it's spooky, like the universe has connections that we can't see that are very powerful. Yeah. So in a world where people who believe there is a higher power creator, God, whatever, that isn't surprising to us if we've come to believe that. If you haven't, then a God incidence, I believe, is that general love, grace of God that is there for everyone where God is always trying to speak or do or cause something in us to be aware that we're not alone. That, thing, right. that things can be orchestrated in a good way, and even though they seem odd or out of coming out of nowhere, they probably have something that we can be drawn together by, learn from, and become better people, you know, Sure. from. So a God incidence could be big or small. It can be meeting someone at a certain opportune time. It could be the number of Amy's you run into, maybe, but... But it's it, more so the feeling or change that comes within you. Yes, especially yeah. in retrospect. Right. Because at first you might not know what this is. But as I've shared in some of my stories from Africa and other things, later God incidences come into focus and you start to realize, wow, there was a lot at play here and things were happening that I couldn't have controlled or didn't control. Right. And they turned out, as you said, for bettering. They were something good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not bad, not evil. And so we're not talking about the dark side of something, but that part that I think we all instinctively believe is there, that if there is a God, this God must be good, this God must be able to help good happen, or else why believe in a God at all? Right. Right? I think that is very apparent this week. So we had some, sometimes you have some dark stuff happen where there's a lot of whys. So this week we had, a tragedy in Fergus Falls. And I think a lot of feelings come out of that. And in those times, you try to surround yourself with people who are looking for the God incidences or the helpers. Wasn't it Mr. Rogers that said in dark times, look for the people, the helpers, people that kind of run towards and help in those dark times. But I feel like that has been on my mind a lot this week with what has happened and just trying to put myself in a mother's shoes of how you can work through something like that. I don't even know how you wrap your mind around it. It's devastating. Yeah. But I mean, out of that, you, you pray for that family, you pray for comfort in a time you don't know what comfort looks like. Mm -hmm. And I think though, in those moments, it, it, it makes me look at my life and say, are you living it to a point where you find meaning and that, it's worth it in these times where sometimes I feel like we get caught going through motions or just working towards that next thing on our bucket list or our agenda instead of enjoying the small moments. And it's reminding to me of like, I really need to make sure I spend time in every moment trying to make the most out of it. Yep. And but I think to know if I could add that, you know, yeah. like there's this verse that says all things or God works all things together for good to those who like understand his loving purpose and live in that reality. 
I was reminded again, I took my two grandkids to a matinee, which was Mario Brothers. Yeah. Right. And I was really concerned about my almost four-year-old because she's sometimes will cry at things and get too spooked out yep. by something. And there was some pretty scary, you know, Disney can create some pretty dark, scary characters on this thing. Yeah. That we're after, you know, the bad, the dark side. And it, and it was just like, so she was finally, she was sitting there, one on each side. We had all this popcorn. We had all this stuff. We were out, you know, because we had a new baby hat coming and I was trying to lighten the load. Right. Right. Yep. For my daughter. So I was having them out for long periods of time. <laughs> Matinees are great. They hadn't been to the big screen, right? Right. So we're sitting there and she's watching and then like 10 minutes of the movie, she climbs in my lap, you know, in the, in the theater. Yep. And then she snuggles in, you know, deeper into my lap. So then I put my arms out so she can kind of snuggle in. And then she's looking. And then when the, mo- you know, the, the music goes to the dark, yep. the dark side, you know. The mm-hmm. And then I could see her. And then she'd hide her face as soon as one of the monsters appeared, you know. And then I'd say, but the good will win. This is just a movie. Keep believing the good will win in the end. You'll see. Yeah. They'll win. Mario will come through. And then she'd turn again, you know, and then she'd just turn. And sometimes <laughs> she would bury her head literally Aww. deep in my chest, you know. And I could just feel her almost, she'd just shiver, like, Aww. with this fear. Yeah. But then I'd just keep saying, the good will win in the end. And I thought, this is a lot like what I think is behind, I will say, you know, that God has planted, it says, in Scripture too, it says, God has planted eternity in our hearts. And that eternity is meant to be, explored and sought out through God incidences. I believe that's one of the ways. So I think this was a good example to me also of when a dark thing happens, like a tragedy, like we've had in Fergus and other recently, but um, I, as a pastor, I've seen a lot more of those maybe sometimes in people. Yeah. But in the orbit of that, there's always a brighter star turning around, coming around and somehow I'm not trying to make light of it. it there's a pain and a grief. We, I, you don't ever ignore that. Don't, don't play it down. But there are bright stars or things that come around in that turning of the other things in the orbit of that event that can be extremely powerful and I would say life-changing and redemptive. And I think as maybe you mentioned, but it, maybe I was thinking when you said, but whole series of events can be set in motion that, help people come from that tragedy stronger and then learning to help others who are hurt or affected and not overwhelmed by it. So yeah. it's like the movie, like keep looking back because the good's going to win. Right. Don't, don't give up looking back. Keep, I mean, keep looking toward, right. you know, looking back at the screen. Don't give up yeah. on your life. Don't give up on just cause this happened. Don't yeah. get caught in the past cause the good is coming. It's coming to us. So that, if that makes sense to you, but it does to me. It was yeah. a very powerful image. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, you know, as people comfort, encourage, prayer, pray for this family and this, there will be things that will be good coming out of it. Yeah. And I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just saying it's terrible. Right. And I think that's the hard part is that oftentimes looking for the good doesn't outweigh the hurt and tragedy that's there. Right. Right. And I, I think that's where I've been struggling this week is that putting myself in a, the mom perspective of like, I don't want to experience a tragedy 
especially of a, a child, like how selfish is that? Like, I think I'm, I, that's where my selfishness is, is that I, even if I know it could impact hundreds or thousands and that good could eventually come out, that's selfish of me. Like, I don't want that tragedy. And I think that's where I heard is that you look for the good, but at the same time, it's not worth the tragedy or the cost. And I think that's where I've been struggling this week is you can look for the good, but sometimes that hurt and that tragedy is hard to overcome for anybody. I can't even imagine not being in those shoes. I can't imagine pulling myself out of it. That's what scares me sometimes. Well, the stories, and I, I think what Amy, actually I think this is a perfect time for Amy <gasps> to be on because the transition. she's come through yeah. stuff like deep tragedy and mm-hmm. struggle. And she's made, I would say, God has done that through her and in her. Mm-hmm. But it's very evident, you know, that it's it's something other than just her power because she's got that yeah. glow about her or that sense of, I don't know, what I see is 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 there's this hope that springs up in people that have learned this, and we all experience tragedies. But but then when you have that, it's you're able to to share and help others. Right. Right. Yep. So yeah. So Amy, we're gonna transition over to you. Do you mind sharing okay. with us just a little bit about what role religion has played in your life, maybe as a child or as you've grown up? Yeah. So I um I grew up kind of I'd go to church, but we weren't like invested every Sunday. Sure. It was here and there, hit and miss. Um, I can't say that I really believed in Jesus. It was kind of like a Easter bunny or Santa Claus kind of thing. Okay. And then, um, uh, should I just go right into my story? You can. Yeah. This right. is All yours. Right. This is okay. where we just showcase you. Right. We'll do this. <laughs> if you hear a deep groaning that's echoing yeah Yeah. like like that (laughs) we have this great setting in the woods here kind of behind a house where there are trees very close and it seems like the wind blows strong every time we record yes Yes. the wind is blowing so god (laughs) is definitely on our schedule (laughs) all right so if you hear that just yeah try to ignore it Uh, okay so um when i was 12 my best friend's dad manipulated me and groomed me into a sexually abusive relationship And I was with him for in secret for seven years. And it was kind of hidden from everybody. Yeah, nobody knew. And it was just very unhealthy. He was very manipulative and controlling. And it wasn't just to me. It was pretty much everyone that was in his life. He was that way. But, you know, where I was his hidden secret girlfriend, you know, I didn't have... You know, I couldn't go run and say, hey, or, you know, so I went through a lot of things by myself. And uh, I started drinking with them at 12, and I developed a drinking problem. Um, By the time I was 16, I would probably have been classified as an alcoholic. And um, I started, like, realizing the older I got like probably around 17, 18, I didn't want to be with them anymore. And I would leave and, but like couldn't leave. And it was just like this chaotic um, cycle. Yeah. And uh, I did leave at 19 and I ended up getting into drugs and alcohol or I was doing meth and drinking 
And it just opened up like a whole nother dark side life. And I started, um, like my mental health started to decline and stuff. You get really paranoid off it. And I think where, you know, I never really had a solid foundation anyways. It was really hard to um, grasp or believe in things and people. And so it made life really hard to live. And meanwhile, I'm getting into trouble, legal trouble for drugs and uh, driving without license. I got DWI for drinking. uh, And it was just like complete (laughs) chaos. My life was a mess. So that despair, I just went... A sense of despair, did that bring you to points of thinking of killing yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, like, I was never one to do cutting or anything like that. I w- I had, I'd help friends through it. Sure. But I did, I did resort to that one time. I just, like, slashed open my wrists. And another time I um, took, like, 10,000 milligrams of Seroquel. My sister found me the next day, brought me to the emergency room. I was in the ICU for a couple days, and then, um, yeah. But So in those moments, because I think this has been a conversation this week, is was it in those moments a want for, for it to end, or, or maybe did you view it as a way like a cry for help or what, like what goes through your mind? So it was just so dark and I didn't know how my life was ever going to get better. Okay. And I didn't see a way out and I didn't want to kill myself, but it it just felt like, uh, the, like almost the instant gratification death would do. Like it would just stop it. Mm -hmm. And I just remember when I took those pills, like falling asleep, like thinking I'm not going to wake up from this and it's going to be over. But I did wake up. Sure. Yeah. And now looking back 20 years ago, I'm glad I did. Yeah. Yeah. I got. It's uh, interesting because you almost describe a place where it's so maybe dark or painful that the thought of thinking past that darkness doesn't even come to you. Cause I think that's what a lot of us think is like when someone's at that point where they're taking their life, like, does that seem like the answer, right? Like you're not in a, a place where you're thinking, you know what? My life could be like five years from now, like things could change. But if you get to a point where it's that dark, yeah, you can't see past it and that you're going through. Yeah. Like that's sometimes the only solution in front of you. And I think that's what, makes a suicide so uncomprehensible to people is that they may have never experienced that darkness where they aren't thinking about everybody beyond themselves or years down the road. It's in that moment, this is the one thing that I get to choose or have control or are going to end this fear of darkness. I don't know, something. What, What you're going, yeah. Oh, yeah, I completely get what you're saying. Yeah, it's just what you're going through when you can't take it no more. It's your way out. So in some of the stuff I've done in training and worked with people at times who've been in this position of 
feeling this great despair, this great weight, this darkness, this hopelessness. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's guilt-driven, a lot of stuff going on. They have said um, just what you're saying, that realization, so it's good for all our listeners to know this, that when that's happening, you never would ask a person, do you want to hurt yourself? Because that's not what, for them, what's hurting themselves is living right now. Yeah. You have oh. to ask them. The hard question is, have you thought of killing yourself or taking your life? Or, you know, because if you say of hurting yourself, they're hurting so bad that this is the only way out. I don't know how you see that, but that's in two sessions I've had with people who've dealt specifically with this. They've told us, as people who are trying to care give, remember, you must ask the hard, direct, difficult thing you don't want to say, you know. Yeah. Are you, have you thought of killing yourself? Does that make sense? Because yes. you that you see that as the only way to get rid of the pain, the hurt that you have, right? Yep. That's time. such a good point because I didn't, I, I mean, it's hard that you wouldn't put that together when you're talking to someone. Like, are, are you thinking about hurting yourself if you're hurting that bad already? And I feel like that's a lot of those questions we need to start asking and then actually being invested in the answer of people is, you know, how are they doing? Because that's, I think the thing you look at sometimes is in hindsight, you're like, I didn't realize it was that bad or that why, like, were they hurting that bad? Like, give me some answer. Like you're looking for the why, but that's the crazy thing is that you can't realize someone's hurting that bad. And that I think boggles my mind is like, how is this not visible or how are we not picking up on that hurt? That scares me. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, broken people, you know, sometimes you're raised up in broken foundation. Like for me, for instance, I had a broken foundation. My family, like my personal family, they were good. I mean, we all have our yuck, but um, what I was going through with my abuser, that made it so much more dysfunctional. And when you're broken and you don't know, you're not maturing the way you should be maturing. Right. And then you don't know how to communicate what you're going through. And then you don't know how to label it personally. And you don't know how to identify what you're going through. It just becomes way too much. And all you know is that you're going through this, but you don't know how to communicate it. You don't know how to say it. You don't know how to identify it. And it just comes crashing down sometimes where you can't, you can't bear another minute. Right. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's a heavy topic. It breaks my it heart. Is. It is. But it's very real, and that's the thing that we mustn't, that the, you're not going through anything that makes you bad, strange, or otherwise. Right. This is part of what people go through. It's and you part may, of life. You may yeah. be very healthy yeah. in some senses, but it's part of your life at this point. And that's where families and other friends have to really be aware you know, and, and have that sense of other, you know, like, well, what's going, this other person going through? Because none of us know how deep or excruciatingly difficult that separation darkness is, that being alone with a yeah. problem. It's not like if someone comes at you and, you know, is like arguing with you or something. That's a different kind of thing. And you can, I think that's better to handle than when you're feeling so, internally. as you said, internally alone, separated, nowhere to go, not and not knowing how to what put to words do. to what you're going yes. through. Yeah. Because if you can't, yes. how, how do you communicate with someone? Hey, I'm mm -hmm. hurting. I don't I don't know right. what's going on. So how are you going to try to get help? 
Right. If you don't even know how to express it, yeah. how do you get help for it? I, yeah. I can completely say, I think as we just talk about it, it's hard to come up with words to even wrap your head around it, mm-hmm. to, yeah. to talk about it as a situation in hindsight or, or whatever it may be. It's, and I think part of it is our culture of not talking about it. Like not, like if, if we ignore it or if we don't talk about it, maybe it'll never happen, right? Or it won't come up. I mean, I think that goes with a lot of stuff as we've grown and as a culture, we don't talk about. Well, the stigma of mental health. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nobody wants to be known to be mm-hmm. crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody does. And then you <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen when you start being like, oh, I'm paranoid. I can't trust people. You know, yeah. things like that. And that's shame. I mean, guilt yeah. is something that happens often to us in relation to another person, a judgment, something, you know, mm-hmm. you're guilty, like in a court, you know. But yeah. shame is way more powerful. And the hidden manipulator of many dark circumstances. I can sense a lot of shame that you had. Yeah. Isolating you. Yeah. And I don't pretend to know what that's like. I'm not trying to say I know it. But I've been through times of darkness. And the worst is when you feel shame, aloneness, and not knowing where to turn for anything. Yeah. Yeah. When I, well, because I was hiding the relationship, you know, I felt like, well, like I was groomed into it, you know, so I thought he really loved me. And I thought this was really love. I was 12. I was, right. you know, very naive to it. And so I loved him and I protected the secret. But, you know, as you get older, you start thinking like, man, like, am, like how, how are they going to view me for loving and protecting this? You know, so the right. guilt and the shame, it, it came on heavy. And when I left him... You know, there were so many lies and, you know, how do you break free from that? Like you would have to, like I would have had to have literally spilled the beans of everything to actually clean my slate and be right with people. But I couldn't do that because I was still protecting him and I still had like the fear and the shame and the guilt of even being in that relationship and it lying to everybody. And I've... I've done a lot of, not necessarily research, but have have heard stories of this. And, and one of the things I think that finally hit it for me is that when you have an abuser, especially someone taking advantage of a child, a 12-year-old, it's not like the relationship is just pain. And I mean, the the person brings in good feelings of love yeah. and cherished and um, physical good feelings. It's not like, and I think that's a hard thing that people from the outside can understand is that if an abuser is bringing you feelings of joy or comfort or whatever, it's hard in your brain to just put that together. How is this bad? Right. Right. If, yeah, if someone's and, showing me love and, and when he's coming, when he was, um, first the grooming started, it was, you're so beautiful. Yes. I'll never hurt you. You know, it was always like endearing, you know, and even though it was making me feel uncomfortable, his words, you know, it, it like silences the alarm that like, this is wrong. This is wrong. Yes. It silences it. And over time you just get used to it. And it's that wearing down, wearing down. It's and in it for the long game. It's yes. not just a, and I, I think that's sometimes the confusion people have is it's not like the first day 
it's he's yeah it it is setting it up for the long game of i mean he had you under his control for seven years yeah and then beyond so that was like seven years plus once you left that was the question how long was it because you'd stopped and then you had to then you were trying to deal with it through self yeah well stuff i'd i'd be drinking and i was doing drugs and i would run back to him every so often because i felt like Mm -hmm. it was getting too crazy here i'd run back to him you know because i he gave you comfort as a child yes that was was what was familiar yes and And at some point you got to a place where you were able to what how did you break through how did this happen so when i um i was actually in jail going to prison for drugs and uh my dad came to visit me and my family kind of started to suspect the older i got that something weird was going on but by that time like i had graduated from high school and i was working so i was always able to say hey, i'm working and you know it was a cover cover thing and i could be with him sure my abuser so they really couldn't say nothing but I feel like my dad, just at that point, he knew, you know, and he's like, you know, this is all a result from what you went through. And he didn't know. I don't think he really knew the depth of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think he probably thought it probably started later in my teenage years. I don't know. And, but, um, I just started crying and he's like, you know what you need to do? And he meant report it, but it had been so, I I mean, probably been a year and a half, maybe two years since I'd been with them. So, I mean, evidence-wise, they couldn't do nothing. So um, I kind of scratched the surface, but I wasn't going to prison. So I ended up, you know, disappearing for two years. I never, (laughs) I was still like, really bad with my mental health you know so I just kind of jumped the hoops you know and I got back out and I got right back into drinking and uh trying to get back in the drugs and the unhealthy relationships and it's all because I still didn't deal with me and and what was hurting and um it wasn't even a year later I went back to prison for drugs again and um that time that's probably where my god incident showed up because this gal she kept saying oh you should come to this program with me it was a voluntary faith-based program where you go and um you it was all about jesus and learning about god and stuff like that and i'm like no 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 she's like just go to the interview so i just went to the interview they accepted me and i declined the offer but at the same time, I had to sit in my cell because I didn't have a job placement yet. And so I'm in my room 24-7. And finally, after a week, I'm like, all right, I'll go because it's going to get me out of my sure. room. And so I accepted and I went over there and just like, we're in prison. But the whole atmosphere was completely different. Like, and that really stands out, you know, to me. 
And I like, it was just so comforting. And one of my, she's a really good friend of mine now, but this gal came up to me and she welcomed me so warmly and she had already been in the, the program for a while and she had Jesus and you, you could just tell. And I, I remember looking at her thinking like, why are you so nice? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so then for three hours every morning, we spent our mornings in class and we went through the Bible. And then um, the first three months, we had to give our life story. And at that point, like I was so lost and so broken, like I knew my life. Like, I didn't even know how to, like, undo my life. I just knew that I had to start somewhere, and that was laying all my cards out on the table. Yeah. So I honestly told my life story in front of 20 women, you know, from all different ages, races, you know, crimes, all of that. And the uh, you're so scared to open up at first, but the love and, like, just the comfort I received after I did that. Like, I feel like then I felt like there was a war inside me that was over. But the, you know, the cleanup had not Mm. taken place. Right. It still had to, there's a lot to work to do. And um, it was probably a couple months after that, I feel like God revealed himself to me. And I had been sitting in class all these months, and you you hear from some women talking about how they know him. And I always said that to my counselor. I was like, you guys just act like you know him. And uh, she's like, we do. And she goes, that can be your assignment. She goes, I encourage you to search for him. And I was like, all right. You know, a month, uh, and then I'd meet with her a month later, and uh, the week before, like I'm hurrying up and trying to cram this assignment, <laughs> and, and I, like I was getting frustrated because here I'm reading the Bible, the stuff that I, I've read, and I couldn't. And then I just look outside, and it was like you just see him and everything in this movie by Louis Gigolo, uh, mm-hmm. "How Great Is Our God." It came back to me about how he's talking about if the Earth was a golf ball, put yourself on that, you wouldn't even be a visible speck. But then you cre- you um, compare that golf ball to like some of these stars and the galaxies out there, and like you're you're nothing. But then we like we put so much value and importance on our life, and you just know you know that there has to be a God, and then you have there has to be a purpose. Like why else would we be here? Yeah, And it just came, like, I I walked out of my room that day just knowing that without a doubt, I cannot deny that there was a God. So in that mm-hmm. moment, I mean, this is something I've asked other guests too, but what, what were some of the, how would you describe the scriptures of the old, your sense of being at that time? When you encountered that and you realized that was happening, it was like this awakening within you. How what how would you describe that in terms of other, you know, like some people say, great peace, joy, um, certainty, uh, life. There's all kinds of different yeah. ways. How would you say you experienced? You it? just there's just this lightness. Mm. It's just 
<laughs> it's you feel it like there's this lightness and it is like a peace or a comfort that you and honestly like I feel before I had searched for this kind of love and acceptance and to fill this void inside myself through the drugs the alcohol men but none of that it just like always made my life worse and once I had God in my life and I surrendered my life to Jesus that void that's what filled it and just God God has this way of showing up and transforming you in his own way, his own time, because I was there. I was, dis, you know, in my most disgraceful form ever, like I'm a prisoner. And I was so guilt-ridden and full of shame, and I lacked morals, and, you know, and here he pops into my life, and he just, like, completely humbles you. And he's like, all right, we're going to do this. And he just he just continues to show up through the therapy sessions and you know the the rest of the community you know we're in a community of women you know iron sharpens iron Bible study like all of that it just builds you and builds you and it transforms you. So that mental health transformation then began yeah. right at that point. Yeah. And then the community you had around you was a big part of your mental health. Instead yeah. of a negative community, you had all this positive, right? Yeah, so my mental health and the, I feel like not knowing what to believe in or who to believe or what to follow because, and this is huge, because society is so full of you need to follow this way to be this way, and there's so many mixed messages. So it's like, what's right? And I, yeah. I just kept hitting brick wall after brick wall, and fallen every time that I seemed to follow something, and I didn't know what to believe. And when I had God to place my life on that rock, and His Word never changes; it's there, completely. Like in every situation, you can apply the Word. And when I had Him to rest my life on, my mental health, like it slowly cleared up because I I had faith. I could make my decisions based on this. Right. Yeah. And instead of following like the worldly ways and you brought it up earlier, like it's a, it's a foundation mm -hmm. like building it. Yeah. On a solid foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And slowly, slowly over time. And then, you know, when, once you start getting healthy, you can start maturing. And as you mature, you're able to, communicate better and identify feelings and identify things that you've gone through and like you educate yourself yeah and all of that it just like it pretty much cleared up mm -hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know and the I, fog I, lifted yeah I think there's I've heard of a form of therapy where it's like you write a letter to yourself as a child yeah and sometimes I think we forget to forgive ourselves for things we maybe did or were when we were children. Yeah. Like, but then you grow up and you still then expect yourself 
to function as an adult when you haven't addressed yourself as a child. Like you allow yourself to make mistakes and grow and be vulnerable. And sometimes I forget that we all still have that child inside ourselves and we have to talk to that child and let that child make mistakes and learn from them and grow from them. And that, that doesn't mean you're not worthy of God's love or to be loved by others or to be part of a community. Yeah. And I think that's what sometimes we harm ourselves with is we try to push people away when we don't like choices they've made or decisions in their life or things when if they never knew your story, you're taking someone who's been manipulated as a child and gone through some of the worst stuff. And you're like, sorry, you're not good for society. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't your choice. If you were talking to people who are listening, if you could sit with them, if they're listening and they're thinking, yeah, well, there's so much crap in religion and how do I know Jesus is good? And, and how do you, you know, how would you answer that when you, now when you look back over this God incident and. So I was actually just telling a friend last night because she's not a believer and I was telling her, I was like, I, I've been there and sometimes I feel silly like saying, yeah, I believe in something I cannot see. You know, but you just know. And all I have to say is try it. There is nothing that's going to stop you after you've tried it. Say, nope, but just try it. Read the Bible. Go to church. Just try it. Yeah. And if you can walk away saying that there's not God, then there's not God. But I believe there's God. And I th- I agree with that because I think that was one of the things I didn't I wasn't willing to put God to the test. It says put me to the test and yeah. try me to see if you know. And it also says taste. Come and taste and see if the Lord is good. So I believe that we're formed with this image, this imago dei, from our creation, mm-hmm. and it's something that is there so that when that fits, when we hear that voice, Jesus says, "My sheep." They hear my voice, Mm -hmm. and they know me, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. When we hear that voice, we're made for that. It's like a typewriter is made to type. You know, like a certain Mm -hmm. tool is made to do this. And once it gets doing it, it's like, this is why I'm here. And that's how I see you fitting into this is like you see why you're here. You see purpose. But it's coming out of this piece of testing and trying, and you were put to the utmost test, I think, for a young girl. I can't even imagine going through, right? Right. And the despair and potential for killing yourself. But that that has turned, and now you're talking to others. Like you just said, you just shared with someone else some encouraging words, and you have written some. Do you want to mention a couple? You've got one book, and you've got another one. I got two books, actually. And so the first Put one. a little plug-in for how they <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the first book I felt like I was called to write was my story. And it's called Just a Small Town Girl, Freedom from Abuse. And I just, I felt like God saying, you know, I want to use that. To, it, there's so much there that I feel like other people. And I just feel like you... You, you were abused, or if you were abused, that abuse happened, honor it, but don't continue to let yourself drown in it. 
because you're going to continue to victimize yourself. And God's saying, you know, he can heal that and you will have the rest of your life that he, he's going to, he's going to bless you, you know, and he can use your story. And then the second book I wrote was, um, the root project and it's a guide to inner healing. And that's what it's called the root project, a guide to inner healing. And I felt like God showed me this vision that the world is drowning in lies and it's spiritual warfare and not too many people like if you're not a believer, you're not familiar with it. And there's so many messages and we live based off of our belief system. That's how we function. So if you have a a false belief system, you're going to end up falling. And so that book just gives you a spot where you can journey with God and examine your beliefs. And then it gives biblical truth on how you can root your life and your belief system. Cool. Yeah. So do you have a contact website? What's Yeah, so the website is www.milkandhoneymn.com. Like Milk and Honey, Minnesota. Milk and honey. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. 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 And the and spelled out. A N D. Milk and honey. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. And the, the books are again the name and, and where can they get the books online or they is are it on actually Amazon? on that website too. On but the web- they are they are on Amazon and, and the titles are again. Uh Just a Small Town Girl, Freedom from Abuse and The Root Project, A Guide to Inner Healing. And is is there an initial? Is it just Amy Smith or Amy? I think Amy Smith. Okay. <laughs> Maybe Amy L. Smith. A-M-Y. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. AMY. Doesn't Have go by all AJ. Have AMYs been AMY? Are there, there's no AMIEs, right? I think they're all AMY. Yeah. Yes. That's the ones I've met. You, you don't like the AMIEs. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't, I haven't met one yet. I'm waiting. There might be one coming. Uh, if yeah. you're out there and your name yeah. is spelled AMIE, we want you to you hear your yes. story. <laughs> yeah. oh, Thank you so much, Amy, yeah, for, for sharing. having me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, very powerful. Dufta. Yeah. Sometimes I don't know yeah, what to say, except I think I'm going to go home and reflect some more and give thanks and yeah, hold a grandbaby and, you know, kiss their little forehead and look at their oh, little toes and so precious. smell that baby smell. Yeah. Babies are oh, therapy. The, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. The snuggles. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. So thank oh, you for thing. being with us. Yeah. Yes. Come on. And if you run across other things you think we should talk about or maybe guests, you know, that you think would be good for us to put on. Please let us know. All right. Come this in. might just become the Amy podcast where we just rotate all the Amy's. <laughs> Do you want to be an Amy? Like just for you one want podcast? me to be an Amy. For those who uh, we weren't recording when you walked in the door and you called me Amy. That's just a few times. But yeah, <laughs> Amy or Amanda is what the name I apparently and should have been. You said it given. was beloved, right? Beloved. That's what Amy means. Yeah, is beloved. That's, that's great. It's a good great. name. It is. Um, and there's this book by uh, Henri Nouwen. They, they, you know him as Henry Nouwen, but friend, he's a French guy, Henri Nouwen. Anyhow, it's the book's name, it's a great little reflective devotional, and it's called You Are the Beloved. Oh. And I've offered it to people often in my church and places who've been through tough times. You Are the Beloved, knowing that... You are beloved by God. It's not other people that get to just be loved. You can be one. God wants you to feel loved, know you're loved. 
but to getting in that place sometimes is really I think journey, this is right? a God incidence where you are plugging a new podcaster thinking where you're going to talk about that book <laughs> and many others that you read. Yeah. <laughs> God incidents right here as we speak. Dr. Rod's mulling it over. <laughs> you soon could hear some mm. more stories by Dr. Rod. So thank you again for coming on. And uh, well, we're transitioning just so you know, the podcast, since we're coming into summer, we just were discussing this. And so there may be some new things. So stay tuned for that. We may have yeah, sidebars or... The end of season one. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> we, did it. we did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so stay tuned for season two, um, mm-hmm. which we hope to start releasing again in fall of and 2023 right and maybe there'll be a summer or something a summer side yeah some just summer drops because there's changes in schedules and everything and people go to the lake in minnesota and so we will <laughs> for keep, the we're not gonna two just months we'll get off. lake time this year <laughs> yeah, because we're still yeah. yeah oh yes so thank you again i love it thank you god bless bye-bye Hi, welcome to God Incidents. Hi, AJ. Hello, Dr. Rod. How's it going? It's going well. Good. Fun to be at the studio again. Another day, another recording. What do you got for us today? I got our first submission. Awesome. I know. I'm really excited. I hope our listeners who are out there and have a God Incidents in their lives feel the calling to email us and let us know or to reach out and hopefully we can invite him in to be on the podcast. We'd love to do that. I know. So if you're out there and you have a God incidents you'd like to share, just a reminder that you can email us at godincidents.podcast at gmail.com. So that's G-O-D-I-N-C-I-D-E-N-C-E dot podcast at gmail.com. You can spell really fast. That's good. <laughs> it comes from my work. <laughs> You think they can write that fast? No, but they can rewind and play back. Oh, okay. We're also going to play it again at the end of this podcast if they need it to go slower. You can do the actually in podcasts, you know, you can like slow things down times a half or whatever it is so they can go really, really slow through that. You are very gifted. That's wonderful. Oh, <laughs> just in my spelling. <laughs> oh. so, so, God incidents. Yeah. We were, what is it? What When people talk about that, or we talk about it. I've had like two or three people ask me even the last few days about, okay, what's, how do I get on? I just send them a little link, you know, Spotify link, I think it is. But they've wondered sometimes how we got that. And I was thinking of synonyms of God incidents. Do you yeah. have any synonyms that you think of when you think of God incidents? I'm that actually, when you said that my brain went to, we should have people write in if they have questions. Right. Because we would other, love to, we love to talk, and yeah. we will answer any questions, <laughs> any questions you have. We will attempt, <laughs> we will attempt to answer. Oh, and questions. if not, we'll yeah. just talk at least five to ten minutes around your question, and yeah, it'll be fun. But they could send in other names that they would have that they might call them. So yeah, a person came up to me recently and said, 
I think that you are connecting the dots. Okay. Because you connected dots for me. Yeah. In some things in my life. I thought, oh, that's another way of talking about... A God incident. A God incident. Yeah. Connecting the dots. Although I'm not... I wouldn't claim myself... I think you may, but not me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That I'm not the one trying to connect the dots necessarily. I think the dots are connected together. Like my students, when I taught, you know, at higher ed, in higher ed levels, they, they'd say, well, Professor Speedall, you're like best when you're just freewheeling. Like sure. when you step out of the lecture and just let us, you know, answer questions or, you know, pepper you with questions. Yeah. Like being in that genuine state. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like immediate, it's contextual, it's right to their experience. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things about learning is, uh, Jane Vela, who's a learning guru, especially non, non-formal non learning, one of the big things about that is that you must, so to speak, strike when the iron is hot, or learning is best when it's there's immediacy and application with it. Okay. So that when the student has a question, oftentimes some professors will go, well, you hold that till later because right. I've got this lecture to do, right? And I would just stop, and we just dive in because... Yeah. One of these seven principles of learning is immediacy and that students come ready to learn, but often professors are ready to teach something, but they're not ready to contextualize it for the student. And when the question sure. comes, see, that's when it hits and gets into their life because they can ask. Right. And I asked them also, when do you learn the most? And this was one of those aha moments for me. I said, so I, I said, when do you learn the most in your college classes? And they, I thought they'd say like in class or whatever, you know, but they said, it's when we get out our stuff and we start talking about your class and compare our notes. Oh. When we're just like, you know, grabbing something or, you know, eating something or having a coffee and, or there's two or three of us and we're talking about it. That's when we learn the most. Sure. Did you, I mean, would you think that from college? I think it reminds me of when our children are little and they get into that stage where it's why, 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 right, right, why. And a lot of times as the adult being asked why, you don't have to a lot of times think to yourself or explain yourself most of the the things that are happening in the life, right? Like you don't sit there and think about all of those questions of why, but then when you have children and the wonderment of it comes into play, you kind of have those conversations. And that was, I think, fun for me to be able to explore that with my children of like, well, let's figure out why that is. Like one of the, I think one of the questions my kids had of like, you know, maybe not why, but like, what sound does a giraffe make? I'm like, what? Yeah, I don't what is know. That? And so this day and age, we got to Google it and giraffes like have a sound that's below our frequency of hearing. So they do make noise. We just don't hear it. Wow. I know. I was like, eh, I didn't know that, but that's pretty cool. Like their vocal cords could be like three feet long or something. Right <laughs> That's probably why we can't hear them. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. Giraffe speak. That's what my kids are going to be like. What did you do on your podcast today? We spoke giraffe. Do you want to hear it? <laughs> so synonyms for God incidents. One of them is connecting the dots. I would say another one. I mean, can we as be as bold to say a miracle? I want someone to come on here and tell us about a miracle. I think, well, you have to, if 
if a God incidence involves something, a being other than us, much more powerful, mysterious, yeah, and able to do, according to all world religions, able to do miracles when needed or when this, you know, God and the character and the, and the situation demands it, that, yeah, you have to. So I think that there are miracles that we might miss. Because when you read the stories of Jesus, it's like some people saw the miracles and some went, ah, that was like something else. You know? Sure. Trying to explain it away. Right. It's yeah. Flipping back into reason because it's just too hard to handle. Like, we can't control a miracle. We can't explain it. And then, then we're I think that's the with, beauty of it. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. But I think then we're left with the whole question about, well, then something else is much more powerful in our lives. And we need to either know this other powerful one or... Right. Or submit to that one or, you know, because if they're that much more powerful, how could we ignore them? Right. So that's that's a good one. Um, I think uh, I've decided we should often include aha moments. Yeah. Okay. As like a synonym kind of thing. Yeah. Aha. I had this aha moment when right. I was doing this. or and I, Because many times these visions or miracles, I, I, I put visions kind of in a miraculous thing because... It's something that comes unsuspectedly out of nowhere, has very often metaphorical and picturesque language, and then it results in the person taking a different track in their life, Yeah, going somewhere else. And of course, the, the Bible material narratives are full of these miracles. I just went back and was counting this week, because I do that, you know, I'm a pastor also, and uh, I think I counted like over 132 miracles in the different books of the Old Testament. Okay. Just counting the ones that were larger that I could, you know, lay my hands on. But so miracles, um, yes, definitely. And I've got some things I was going to talk about too, but I want to hear this. Uh, I'm Our really submission. about the submission because we yeah. want people to submit and we want to encourage you to because we're just like, we love to figure out stuff and, like you said, talk about it. So we want people to feel. I love to it. talk about it. I don't know if I'm figuring anything out at any point. I'm here for the ride, though. Well, it helps me when you talk about it. Okay. So good. <laughs> I'm just not saying that I'm like got the world figured out. I think as I experience this, it opens me up to more and more and more. And I'm like, I just need to experience more. Not that I'm like, all right, I'm good. I got it. I understand life. Not necessarily there yet. I know, because last week I asked you, I said, um, so D Jesus said you're the light of the world. Amy, I mean, AJ, we've had Amy on, two Amy's on. I'm, I'm getting it. I said, AJ, like, do you see yourself as the light of the world, right? Mm. And you went, no. No. Nope. Right? So that's good. An honest response is part of the whole exploration. So let's hear this. Okay. So this was <clears throat> submitted by... Uh, a friend of mine. And so I'm going to do my best at eliminating some of these names just because I don't have permission to use a lot of the names, but the story will still have meaning. So um, this friend of mine said that a few years ago, her husband and her were living next door to neighbors. And I'm just going to use their first names. The neighbors were called Kenny and Ruth. Okay. They had a great neighborhood relationship 
So it was one of those neighborhoods where they would get together in the driveways in the summer and probably have an adult beverage or two and catch up and chat, which um, I love that about any neighborhood. So I would say that's one of the things that I pride myself in now is I love getting my neighbors together and just enjoying their company. So this particular neighbor, Kenny, would watch through his window for her husband to get home from work because he just wanted to chit chat with him, catch him right after work and have that occasional drink on the lawn with the lawn chairs in the driveway or in the lawn, wherever, and just kind of have their guy time. So Kenny became very attached to her husband. And over the years, they would help each other with projects and kind of have that excuse to spend time together. Um, He was a little lonely as an older gentleman. And so her husband always seemed to be gravitated towards him to provide him maybe that listening ear and just to give him that attention he was craving. So Kenny owned a 1993 Chevy pickup, and this was his baby. So he took really good care of it. Um, He just kind of was the pride and joy of his uh, neighborhood was this truck and um, having it, you know, cleaned and washed and maintained. Was it red or? Oh, I don't have a color. Okay. I should have a color. It's all right. No, you're good. In your mind, you can picture it as red. Um, White and red. There you go. He always talked about, Kenny always talked about upgrading his truck, but he never did. He always kept that 1993 Chevy. Um. So her husband told them that if he was ever, if Kenny was ever going to sell that truck, that he'd be interested in buying it because he'd like to have an older truck out on their farm. Um, Kenny ended up getting cancer. He fought a courageous battle, but he did end up passing away in April of 2014. So in the last couple of weeks before Kenny passed away, his family was talking to him and he told his son that if he was going to sell his beloved 1993 Chevy pickup, that he wanted it to go to his neighbor first. So when the family approached my friend and her husband and asked him if they were interested to purchase the truck, they just couldn't say no. They had to take this truck. So when Kenny was on his last few days of life, they went to visit him. And her husband made sure to let Kenny know that he was going to take care of his 1993 Chevy pickup. Kenny eventually passed away in April, and his funeral was actually on April 23rd. So after the funeral, my friend went to the DMV to get the updated vehicle license plate. And they come in Minnesota, at least they come in this yellow envelope. Um, so she didn't really think anything of it. She just had it on the counter and a couple weeks went by and they eventually were going to head out to the farm where this pickup was now at. So she grabbed the yellow envelope and went out to the farm. And then as they were taking these new license plates out of the envelope, she noticed that the initials were KGK 423. So his initials. Yeah. Kenny, Gene, and his last name, and the date of his funeral, 423. 
And that was all just a God incident. Like it just. Happened. Yeah. Like she just knew. Ooh. Yeah. That they had this truck of his and they're putting these new plates on it. And it was kind of that blessing from Kenny beyond that. Wow. Yeah. Death of like his, his beloved pickup truck was in good hands and was where it was supposed to be. Mm. I isn't, love that. Isn't that cool? Because it's a small thing in some ways, but it's really large to the people that, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean it's small in terms of coincidences or, you know, that all the chances of that happening, but yeah, it's, what is it? It's a license plate, right? Right. And then to have it so personalized that way, it reminds me of a book um, where it was uh, Francis Schaeffer says, you know, that your God is too big. Like too often we think of God is big, big things, big God. Yeah. And, but God, if God is really good, right. And that kind of a loving God, then it, the small things matter as much. Do you think that's big... our fault as humans though, that to have a God or to believe in a God, we make it be this huge thing beyond our comprehension, like that we do that. Sure. Where if we were to accept that, God can work in small but meaningful ways in our our lives that that that's okay that that's good enough in that sense like it doesn't have to be this crazy amazing uncomprehensible thing Exactly no I totally think that's something we do maybe subconsciously because that's kind of what we're either taught to expect of God Yeah but it also removes God somewhat conveniently, unfortunately, from all the little things in our life where we might be having a conversation with God, where we might be wanting to, but we think, oh, well, that's too small for God to take care of, you know? Right. Right? Yeah. Miracles. When you were talking about that, um, did I ever talk about Slick Rock on this program? I don't think so. I don't think so. Slick Rock. So I could tell you about a miracle that I had happened to okay, me. Okay, let's hear this miracle. I was, um, a, you know, a young and very energetic college student, and then I got older, and I still hadn't graduated from college, but I, when I was my first year of college, forestry, University of Idaho, new in the mountains, come from Minnesota, I'm out in this state with its two-thirds national park and state forest. Idaho is two-thirds parks and forests. Yeah. So there's all this recreational area, right? And I was at the University of Idaho in Moscow, Idaho. And so we were out in summer, fall, and we decided to go climbing a bunch of the forestry students on a place called Slick Rock, which is by McCall, Idaho. And so this would have been like 1972, something like that. Okay. And my buddy and I were very athletic. He was from the East Coast. And we did a lot of things, and there was almost, there wasn't hardly anything we wouldn't try. Okay. So Slick Rock has two parts to it. One is a part where you climb, you free climb, and the other part is ropes only. And I had on my Rakeley climbing boots, and he had on his stuff, and we thought, we'll just go up there and cruise to the top of this Slick Rock. Yeah. And a few of the guys that had come along were down below drinking beer, just watching us, you know, and we just kept going up this fairly, fairly well-known climbing area. And as we went, my buddy started drifting more to the right into the ropes area. 
Okay. But we didn't think much of it because we had holds and we were cruising up and it was a nice day at that time. And he got out and and then if you've done much, have you done much rock climbing or anything? I've done minimal. So I'm not going to say I'm never done it in my life, but I am not like a expert where you could send me. I know, like, I know terms, Belaine, right? Sure. There's all these things. And we didn't have ropes. So at that point, we were just free So climbing. that would not be an amber type of climb. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd gotten up, so we were hundreds of feet, you know, above what would have been a safe descenting, descent place. So that okay. it was a, it's an angled rock, very steep, and then it continues to get steeper as it goes up. Okay. And, and so basically, and it's always easier to go up. Then it is down because your eyes are on the top, right? So when unless you're, you're Belaine, then it's really fun to go down. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> so we he went up and up and up, and he was stretching out and getting these holds. And then when he tried to go back down, oh no, he couldn't get back because okay. he got to a point where he ran. And this is what slick rock is like: it you just run out of holds at some point, so you got to stay away from that rope side. But yeah. we had gotten out too far, so he was up about maybe. 15, 20 feet to my right. And I had been following him, kind of angling with him. Yeah. And he's going, hey, bud. He said, I can't, I don't have a hold. Like, I can't get back. I don't know what to do. And I was trying to direct him from below, like, sure. there. And I couldn't get it. Because in order for him to get the hold, he had probably just reached up and done a little push off and right. then grabbed. Yep. So to get the hold, he would have had to let go and slide. Yeah, kind of free fall it. Just a little bit. Yeah. And I oh. and he didn't want to do that with me, and I didn't really want to, because if he would have missed it, that was it. Like right. he would have slid probably 500 feet on this rock. Oh my gosh! Okay. To a bunch of craggy, you know, boulders down below. So I am looking at this, and I'm going, "How did this happen? Like all of a sudden, we go from being having fun, like youth. You know, you're yep. going, you're just full of <laughs> excitement. You're invincible. Fun. Yeah, and and then all of a sudden something happens and you realize how fine the line is between safety, wise, foolish right. decisions. Yep. So I started to realize that this is going to fall on me because I still had holds. I still could go back. I could go sideways. And so he sat there for a little while and he was, we were trying to figure it out. And he goes, oh, I don't, I'm going to start cramping up here if, you know, something doesn't happen. So I'm thinking, yeah. I got to do something. Now, I was kind of pressed against the rock, so I could look over my right shoulder and look down. And But to turn and yell really loud down was hard. And they were, the people that would help us were down below. And on this drinking road. beers. Yeah, and they were yeah. like talking, you know. And the cars were little, like play cars. They're way down there. So, right. So, like, I would have had to turn around and cut my hands and mm. yell because I couldn't get their attention. Yes. Just yelling this way. So I'm going, okay. What am I going to do? Now, I went through confirmation class as a Lutheran kid, you know, but then at the end of it, I said, oh, this is just bogus. I I was just really didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I kind of vowed I'd never go back to okay. church. So I, I hadn't been to church for like probably at that point since confirmation when I was 14. So you start bargaining. I did. I started bargaining with God. <laughs> you knew it, right? <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> and so I'm going... God, if you can, like, get me out of this, I promise I will check you out. Like, I will quit doing all this stuff, just being, you know. Right. And and I'm going, and I mean, I didn't hear any voices or anything, but I did say that kind of a bartering prayer. Right. And then I looked over and I realized that there was a little ledge down about 15 feet to my left if I scooted over. 
and that that ledge stuck out and so i could actually from that ledge there was another one that increased in size so i could actually if i could get onto that little ledge and scoot over i could actually turn around and sit on that little outcropping okay and yell down okay but here's the kicker. When I got over there, I realized there's no footholds. That little ledge jutted out, but then it was straight down for a little while. So the only way for me to get to the bigger ledge was to let go with my feet and press myself up on my hands, you know, on the yep. palms of my hands, down on the bottom of the rock, and press myself against the rock. Okay. And do one of those shimmies. Shimmy sideways. Okay. Right? And I had to go about two feet. Okay. Or three feet. I don't know. I just, but I had to go sideways. And so I did another one of those little barter prayers, like, oh God, I really mean this. Like, yeah. (laughs) And then I took a deep breath, whatever, and I started to go. And I made it. And I got over there and was able to sit on the ledge. But then a thunderstorm was coming. Yeah. So as I'm yelling, we're hearing the thunder starting to roll into this valley where slick rock was and and i i think i got the attention i didn't know if i had their attention or not i'm yelling you know we need help get the ems you know get some emergency people here you know right get something ropes get something and and the thunderstorms coming in and then my buddy's going rod i'm cramping up here like yeah i don't know if i can hold on anymore right because he's stretched out you know kind of crabbed up yeah and he's just and you're on out. just like by fingertips and toes. It's not like no. right. He can't do a lot of adjustment with his holds. He can switch his tension points. And so I'm just and then I was praying, kind of probably more groaning and like going, "Oh God, what's going to you know?" Yeah. And the just you know the storm was coming in, and and just as the rain was starting to pit around, we hear this whoop 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 whoop, and this helicopter comes up the valley, lands on top of Slick Rock. And these guys are yelling down, and I'm pointing, get my buddy first, you know. And so they threw the rocks over, I mean, the ropes over, <laughs> and they rappel down, you know, yeah. or belayed down or repelled. They didn't, no, they didn't do the bouncing. They just, you know, attached the ropes, came down, yep. and got to him before anything happened, got ropes around him, got him up, and then they came back for me, got me up, and then we got in the helicopter and they flew us down to the road where our buddies were and dropped oh us off. Oh my goodness. <laughs> now, I classified that as a miracle. Well, yeah, I would too. And here's the other part of the story. Number one, I I had diarrhea for like two months. <laughs> I mean, I was, After this. I was scared, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's a very personal <laughs> disclosure, well, Dr. Odd. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a guy, but I mean, that was uh. like a very powerful and it upset my my whole system I was, yeah your whole system is out of whack scared i was you know whatever yeah secondly here's the thing that was quite amazing to me i got home my mom immediately goes rodney what happened and i hadn't even told her anything she said i was i was just i was taking a nap in the afternoon i just woke up and i was like terrified that you were in danger oh my goodness and i started praying for you oh and i'm going wow how did you know that she just said, I was just, I didn't know what it was, but I just felt I should pray for you. Are you yeah. okay? And then I told her the story. Yeah. Mother's intuition. So there was like, to me, also the kind of the link to the miracle part. Like something was happening, very powerful there. And she got the message. She prayed. All those things just worked out just right. Yeah. And then we 
I mean, we were saved. We got out of that. And, yeah. But it was one of those situations that changed because then I had to make good on that thing. Promise. To yeah. God. You went back to church. No, not right away. <laughs> I, I wrote a thing for my college, my English lit class, because they had these options and assignments. And one was right on the fifth dimension. You know, there's four dimensions, you know, basically in our world. Yeah. Right on the fifth dimension. Okay. And not the singing group. Okay. <laughs> but the idea of outside of space and time. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know what I would have done for that but assignment. I so I wrote, and so I looked up, I remember this verse in Ephesians that had these five dimensions in it. Okay. You know, this length, width, height, depth, and love of God. And the fifth dimension oh, is the love of God. That's beautiful. And so I like going, okay, I'm going to write on that. So I wrote that, for, and I gave a little speech in my English lit class on this topic because of that. That was the beginning of my exploration. That's Other beautiful. Things happened. Other things happened, which we can talk about. You know, I rolled my 240Z and different things. So I had these, what I would call close-to-death experiences, or could have been death experiences, and was delivered out of them for some reason, and... Those things impacted me greatly and gave me a huge also desire energy to live and to explore things because it just made me realize how precious life is, how short it is. Right. So it didn't make me scared to go back so much as it did. It sort of thrust me into experiencing as much of life as I could, you know? Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, some people might go, oh, I'm not going to ever do anything dangerous again. Right. That would have been me. But for some reason, I think I'm stubborn and maybe that's part of my genetic wiring that I'm always liking to explore or try new things, you know. So that, um, I, well, what do you think? Does that classify? Now that you tell me this story, I believe when we were talking with, one of the Amy's not that long ago when we were talking about me meeting you at this bar. I think you told me that story because I, I remember about the ropes and your friend and how that was your story of sometimes when people change in their lives to have this connection with a higher power, it takes one of those near death experiences. So not that I remembered it to that grade of detail, but I remember the rock and the ropes and the... But I didn't change, really. I just, I did that, and then I kind of went on. And then I had the 240Z thing where I rolled, well, my uncle rolled the 240Z, and I could have been killed in that, and... It's God, like, how many times do I have to well, put your life on the line before you're just going to turn to me? don't listen real easily. <laughs> <laughs> that's... <I'll> just... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... So you, you hear the calling now, though. You're You're not gonna put your life on the line anymore or are you still very adventurous i still i think i still am and i think it's just by that sort of expression you know i don't know except for the grace of god there go i like i'm gonna end up somewhere doing something you know like too crazy and um not that i'm engaged in anything really dangerous you know right now Preaching's a little hairy sometimes if they don't like the topic. No. Mob mentality coming from the pews. The basement ladies, and you don't want to upset them. There. Oh, geez. Don't criticize their lefts. So, yeah. yeah. No, um, 
but that that whole idea of miracles is something I wanted our guests to know. I don't think that we're in the business of trying to exclude or really dice, you know, really slice neatly God incidences. No, it can be anything, anything small. And it's the impact it has on you. See, like another right. person like, well, yeah. But if that affected you and really changed you, that's not, that's personal. That's something that happened to you. Right. Yeah. Right. So like in the Bible, like for instance, you know what? Jacob wrestles with God in the night, this place. He's, he's going and it's going to meet his brother and his brother's got way more powerful than him. And he thinks his brother's going to kill me, you know? So he's wrestling with God, Jacob. And he has this vision, dream of wrestling with God. But then there's this physical manifestation where he actually, his hip gets put out of joint. And he, then it says he limps the rest of his life from that encounter. Yeah. Now, some people might go, yeah, he had a dream. He struggled with this psychological thing, you know, if you psychologically analyze it. But it changed the way he operated, you know, and it changed his name. So he became known then as the one who wrestles with God, struggles with God, and lives. So that's powerful, right? Yeah. And we have that kind of a event uh, happening to us in personal ways sometimes, which may not mean as much to others, but to us it's kind of very powerful. And those were powerful events to me. So that, yeah, I submit that. I appreciate your submission. I think that's a great story. Although life-altering in a major way, mm-hmm. I think there's that's on one of the extreme sides of of a miracle. Like, that is, in my book, I would classify that as a miracle. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's these little things on our previous or earlier story, this episode of of just the license plate, like certain digits or numbers, and all right, of a sudden you right. find that meaning of like, it doesn't have to be big or small. But like you said, if it changes you or your path, then in our context, we feel that there was a higher power involved right yeah so maybe the listeners will weigh in on that i hope they do and we'll we'll say it to you again listeners you can always email us and we'll put that at the end of the podcast i'll even put it in the show notes this time of how to email us and And what's the address again godincidents.podcast at gmail.com all right all right thanks ron that went fast it always does when we're together (laughs) Well, good. Thank you. And uh, listeners, we want you to write in, let us know, share it. Um, We'd love to hear from you. Yes, we would. God bless. Okay. Bye-bye. Don't skip past the moments of your life.